in our week three of our uh, marriage series called, called It Takes Three. I've really, 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 really enjoyed this series. And uh, after this series, I start a series on Revelation. If you have, um, if you've never read the book of Revelation, I would, I would, would encourage you to do so. And we are going to walk through that together uh, several weeks through October and part of November. And uh, we're going to dive into that. So there's some pretty freaky things about Revelation. And so I'm, to be quite honest, I'm a little scared to actually preach on that just because it's so, it's so deep. And so, um, but it's, um, we're going to walk through that. So you don't want to miss Revelation starting next week. But we're going to finish up marriage series today. It takes three, just like this rope. The strongest rope you can find is three, um, a three-braided rope. And so this, um, this rope of three strands uh, is an example of how we should have three involved in our marriage. You, your spouse, and, and God the Father. And as, uh, as I shared the last couple of weeks, uh, the strongest rope you can find is one with three strands because they all can touch one another the entire way through the rope. And um, if you add another strand, four strands, it doesn't make it any stronger. Five, it doesn't make it any stronger. Three is all it needs. And so all you need is you, your spouse, and God the Father. And so that is the strongest rope. We talked about first week about defending your marriage. It takes three to defend your marriage uh, from, from outside terrorists coming in to try to destroy your marriage. And let me tell you, there are marriage terrorists out there trying to destroy you, okay? Uh, Satan, the enemy, will use every way possible to destroy your marriage. And you got to look out for those. You need got to be watchful of those. We talked about specific ways, and I encourage you to go listen to it online. We talked about specific ways on how you can defend um, your marriage and, um, and hold off some of those attacks. Um, just like a home, uh, we need to have certain barriers within our marriage. So uh, I encourage you to listen to that online. In week two, last week, we talked to uh, specific ways about how it takes three to define your marriage. How is your marriage defined? You could probably think about, think about the different marriages in your life of people in your life. And you think about different people and you say, that marriage is defined by such and such, or this marriage is defined by such and such. And it's almost like you can describe their marriage. Or, boy, their marriage is hostile, right? Or, you know, their marriage, man, they really walk, walk with God. Or this marriage, they're so distracted, you know, they're missing out on the, on, on the most important things in life. Or whatever. What defines your marriage? And so we talked about that last week and how it takes three to define your marriage, and specifically um, uh, in, in five different ways, authority. Like, who has authority uh, in your life? If God is the ultimate authority in your marriage, um, then that's a great way to define your marriage. Um, generosity. Your marriage can be defined by how generous you are. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about how generous you are with your spouse, how generous you are with your spouse. Your marriage can be defined by unity. Uh, speaking life to get, uh, into your spouse is huge. Don't speak words that, that cut them down. Speak words of life. Honor good intentions. Your, your spouse just wants to have good intentions. If they mess up, that's okay. Just honor those good intentions. It's okay. Eat the burnt toast. Eat the burnt toast. That's the first thing my wife made me was toast, and it was burnt. And it's okay. I ate it. 
and drink a lot of water. It's okay. Make mistakes together. That provides unity. Make mistakes together. Don't point fingers. Oh, that was, you're the one who, who dropped the ball. No, no, we are the one who dropped the ball. Because what your spouse, what your spouse does, you do. Okay? Now, obviously, if it's an individual, individual sin, then, yeah, that's, that's an issue that your spouse needs to deal with, and you can walk together through that. But mistakes in marriage and family and life, you're going to make mistakes. Do those together. It's like own that together. That brings unity. Uh, purity. Keep purity. Let purity define your marriage. Some of you need to forgive your spouse. Some of you need to forgive yourself. Some of you need to forgive yourself for the things you may have done or the things you may have, been, may have brought in to your marriage. It's time to, uh, to, to forgive yourself. Um, and also, some of you just need to confess your struggles. That brings purity. It just kind of clears the air. Confess your struggles uh, to your spouse. And so, um, and then the other one is brokenness. We talked about how we are all broken people. Even in the church, we are broken people, we come broken, and, uh, and in the marriage is brokenness. By the way, if, uh, if you didn't get a chance to do this uh, last week, we have a cross in the back of the room, and we have some, uh, some shattered uh, glass, stained glass, um, and we actually broke that during the service last week, and to signify that we are broken, and, but God takes those broken pieces and will make them beautiful. So back there, uh, after, after service, there's some, there's some glue, and you could take some of those pieces and, and put that on the, uh, on the cross, and we'll display that cross um, somewhere. We'll, we'll figure that out. So anyway, but uh, we all have brokenness in our lives. Let, it's okay for your marriage to be, be defined by brokenness. It's okay to, be, uh, to show others that we're human. And all five of those, all five of those of authority, generosity, unity, purity, and brokenness, all five of those are attributes of the church. And the church is the bride of Christ. And so that is the ultimate marriage. Us, the bride of Christ, his church, uh, with Christ is the ultimate marriage, and so that identifies the church. Well, today, uh, we're going to talk about our desire in marriage, our desire in marriage. And so, as we talk about our desire in marriage, we're going to talk about some things that will bring desire into your marriage. And let me tell you, that's desire right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You clap. It's Okay. I love my wife. Uh, now, what I'm going to talk about today is actually a probably good thing that my wife is not here today, and that's okay, uh, and, and she's going to listen to messages, and I talked a little bit about what I'm talking about. She actually texted me last night, and she goes, what are you talking about tomorrow? And it's like, just godly things, biblical things, Jesus things. She goes, I'm just a little nervous. It's like, it's okay, baby. We're okay. Um, but just know this, that it takes three to defend your marriage. It takes three to define your marriage, and it even takes three to desire your marriage, to desire your marriage. You know, um, ladies, you may have gotten married, and, and, and by the way, if, if you're not married, this message is still for you, because if you're not married yet, you could, uh, there's a lot of this you're going you're gonna to hear that you can, you can carry into your marriage. But ladies, you may have gotten married, maybe your desire was to have a family, to raise some kids and, and to have that, that home. That's, that's, what you, that's what you do. You enjoy those things. To, to nurture 
That's why, probably why you got married. That's your desire. Men, the reason why you got married, your des- well, we know why you got married, guys. We know your desire, all right? So, but, but we, if I were to ask you why did you get married, you probably would say something like this. We were in love. Well, I hope you were in love when you got married. I hope you were in love when you got married. At the beginning of marriage, um, there's lots and lots of love. And, um, and so as you love one another, uh, you, you let that drive your marriage at the beginning. But can I tell you something? Love will only last a certain amount of time. Let me explain. Being in love is not an adequate foundation for a successful marriage. Being in love is not an adequate foundation for a successful marriage. Now, you may say, well, I, I love my spouse. You know, and there may be times you looked at your spouse, I love you, but I just, I just don't like you right now. <laughs> you know, you may have those times because that love is not going to be the thing that's going to, uh, to totally get you through every single thing. You can't depend on the feelings. You can't depend on those tingly emotions to get you through because studies show that um, it, uh, the average lifespan of the in love stage is two years. Studies show the in love stage, two years. After about two years, you, uh, you start losing those feelings and those butterflies, and let that goo-goo-ga-ga stuff. Two years. And so what are you going to do after that? You know, it's, it, it, when we have that stage of, of that, in that two years uh, span of love, we, uh, we don't really get a whole lot done. I mean, I can't even remember the first two years of, of Susanna and I's marriage. We, we didn't have kids until year three. And so... Um, so the first two years, we lived in this, we, we lived in this small little pink house that we were renting for like $100 a month. Boy, I wish we still had that house. And, and so it was like, I don't know, 1,000 square feet maybe, or 900 square feet. It was just two bedroom. And, um, and so we were renting it for some friends and, in Louisiana, and, and I was teaching and waiting for Suzanne to graduate. And that house was not big at all. But you know what? We didn't need no big house, Okay. Because as I chase her around the house, you know, I don't want to get tired, you know. As I chase her around the house, you don't want to get a, too big of a house, right? You don't have to go up and down the stairs, all right? So it just brought us close together. But I do, the only thing I do remember is just always being with my wife. Always being with my wife. And so that's what those, those two years are, are for. And so as we... As we have that, those feelings, uh, sometimes we don't even think straight. Sometimes we don't even, we don't even know what's going on. Like, if you fall in love in college, and if you're at college and, and, you have a, and you have a test on the War of 1812, you could care less about the War of 1812 because the person you love is in apartment 1812. And so it's all about what that person is in your life. Well, two years after marriage is what you got. And this is what happens. You lose the desire. You begin to lose the desire. The desire fades away. Some of you single people are like, oh, that's great. What do, I, what, do, what do I do now? What do I do after that? We're getting into that. And so 
What happens when your spouse becomes undesirable? What happens when your spouse becomes undesirable? Because, and I'm not talking about physical attraction. There's going to be times that you're going to look at your spouse as you, as you get married. My wife and I have been married 22 years. As you, as you get on in marriage, you'll be like, I, there's something about my spouse that I'm not really desiring right now, okay? And whatever that area is, um, you've got to work through that. You've got to work through that. And so what happens when your spouse becomes undesirable. Now, let me, let me, before I continue in here, let me share a disclaimer. If you're in a situation where your spouse is abusive to you, then, um, then I'm, not really, I'm not really talking about that. I mean, like if, you're, if your spouse is, is abusive to you, either physically or, or emotionally or verbally, and, um, and they are undesirable, well, there's a good reason why they're undesirable, and you need to get some professional help you need to get some counseling. If you want a counselor's name, we have a couple of counselors we're working with. We partner with at Lake Point Church. Let me know. We'll get you some help. But just as a disclaimer, if you have uh, lost desire of your spouse, um, we're talking about um, not a situation where they are being, um, where they're being um, uh, hostile to you. All right. So desire and marriage. So let's talk about desire. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. Um, I, I love this verse. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What, what this means in, in this setting is this. You want to take delight in the Lord. So let's stop right there. If we take delight in the Lord, we are delighted by what he has given to us. He is, we are delighted by what he has given to us. We're delighted by what he's given to us in, in the form of our spouse, in the form of where we live, our family. Um, we are delighted and we, we're thankful and we're grateful to God. We just got through singing about that. We're thankful to Jesus. And so if we take delight in him, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You have desires, and that those, those desires, I mean, obviously, we have sinful desires, and I'm not talking about sinful desires, but you have those deep desires of, of what your marriage could be like. Singles, you have that deep desire of what your spouse, your future spouse is going gonna, is gonna to be like. God will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord. So... Um, if you are having desire issues in your marriage, then you could be placing other desires ahead of your spouse. So let me explain. We all have different desires. You can have different desires of wanting to be successful. Say, I want to be a success in my career. Or I want to be um, this really, really great athlete on the, on the field. I want to be the best. Or I want to, um, you know, I want to have a, uh, be the best um, a runner on my team, or I, or I want to be um, the, the, the department head at, at my school, or whatever. We have maybe different desires in our life, and those aren't wrong, but here's where desires or other desires can get in the way, is, is when they get in the way of our marriage desires, then we begin to lose the 
desires of our spouse. We begin to lose the desires of our spouse. We need to make sure that our other desires in our life do not supplement, do not substitute our desires for our spouse. Your spouse, your relationship with your spouse, your desires for your spouse are the most important thing outside of your relationship with Christ. They're more, your desire for your spouse is more important than your relationship with your kids, than your family, your extended family. More important than your, than your you know, than your ladies, your, your girlfriends or guys, your, your guy friends. More important than, than your work. More important than your career. And so placing other desires first could, could be a reason why sometimes we sort of lose our desires. And so to have, um, to have that great desire, we need to bring that back into. So, so we're, let's talk specifically about ways we could do that. So we're going we're gonna to look at some specific ways to bring that desire back in. If you have lost a desire, and, and if you haven't lost it, it means you haven't been married long enough. Um, but we're going to look at specific ways to bring desire back in to different areas in our life. So uh, think of a house. We're going to visit three rooms. We're going to visit the living room, and we're going to visit the kitchen, and we're going to visit the bedroom. So let's talk about the living room, okay? Guys like to hang out in the living room. Okay, we like to watch a TV. We like to have the remote in our hand. I'm surprised that God did not just make that an extension of the human, you know, body for the male. The remote in our hand, we like to have control. And so we're going to talk about the living room. So what are some things, ladies, that you can say to your husband that he really needs to hear? And again, these are things that will begin to bring desire back in to your marriage. What are some things, ladies, that, that you can bring in to the living room, what are some things that you could bring into your husband's life that he needs to hear? Number one, he needs to hear this. I'm so glad I married you. I'm so glad I married you. Whether you believe it or not, there are times your husband is insecure about that. Oh, we like to be masculine and rough and tough, but your husband, your husband wants to hear or needs to hear that you're glad that, that you married him. Let your man know that he's still the one. And even just out of the blue, not on his, just his birthday or Father's Day or anniversary, just out of the blue, send him a text message. I'm so glad I married you. I'm so glad you're in my life. Here's another thing he needs to hear. I love how you provide for our family. I love how you provide for our family. You know, there's a lot of weight on the shoulders of, of the husband to provide for the family. And even though, ladies, you, you may work as well to bring the finances involved in that, but, but even though you both may work and provide the, the, the finances, there's still that weight of, man, I've got to provide, I've got to protect, I've got to, I've got to make sure that my family's doing well. And so let your husband know. Uh, and also let your husband know you don't need to, he doesn't need to be making, you know, a six-figure salary for you to feel happy. It's okay. So let him know that you, um, you're, uh, how much you love how you provide for your family. Um, also uh, do this. Say this, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. How often, ladies, have you, have you said that to your husband? I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Your husband needs to hear that. 
single women here who have, are not married yet, or maybe, maybe you're in a position where you've been married and you're divorced, but you're looking to, to remarry. You know, if you are in that situation, when you get married, you want to be the cheerleader for your husband and sometimes dress up like a cheerleader, right? <laughs> so you want to, <laughs> you want to, <laughs> that was unfiltered, sorry. <laughs> My wife is a long way from, <laughs> from me. <laughs> so, so you want to be the cheerleader for your husband, all right? You want to be the cheerleader for your husband. See, I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Your husband needs to hear that because your husband doesn't necessarily always have a great self-esteem, okay? Um, say this, you're such a great father. If you have children, say you're such a great father. You, uh, you know, I love how you're spending time with the kids, you know? I mean, don't, I mean, I know there are times you might need to sit down with your father, with your husband and say, you know, uh, you know, maybe we should spend more time with the kids and that kind of deal. But when your husband is caught in the act of spending time with the kids, just say, I really love that you spend time. I really love how you're a great father. Uh, he also needs to hear, hear this. You are so hot. He needs to hear that. You're so hot. He needs to hear that. And another thing you could do is, is ladies, and this is not something you could just say, it, it's okay if you're married this is totally godly, totally biblical for you to be a little bit more seductive towards your husband. That's perfectly fine. That's, that's, God loves that. God's like, yes, that's why I created you. That's why I created you, women, with your body to be able to please that man in your life. And so, yeah. So, I'm, I, you're, you're next, guys. <laughs> but, you know, complimenting the man on his body. Complimenting the man on the body. Even when, as he gets older, and he has this, just rub that belly and say, I love this belly. This belly turns me on. Like you never know. I love this belly. <laughs> but the, 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 the male, your husband, needs to hear that. Your, your husband needs to hear that. And, um, and also, ladies, another thing you could do. You, here's what your husband, um, here's one thing you can, you can really kind of bring that desire back. Is, is it this? Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Continue to make, you know, your, yourself, yourself beautiful. Continue to make yourself beautiful. And let me tell you what, I'm not talking about starting with the outside. I'm talking about starting with the inside. And my wife is, is, is very, very beautiful. But the reason why she's beautiful is she has grown that beauty from the inside to the outside. And, and I'm blessed because of that. So ladies... Make yourself beautiful, starting from the inside. Get those impurities, those, those things out of your head, out of your heart. Stop 
messing around with people who are gossiping or, or whatever, talking about others. Take a break from social media. Just make yourself beautiful, and that's going to come from the outside, from the inside to the outside. And then your man will, will love you even more for that. So um, that's a way to bring desire into, that, into that, uh, that living room area, okay? Bring the desire into your marriage. All right, so let's go to the kitchen. So what are some things, guys, that your wife needs but may not, need to, may not know how to ask, okay? These are some things that your wife needs but they may not know how to ask. Number one, guys, our wives need verbal affirmation. We need verbal affirmation. We need to, they, they love words. They love to hear words, and they love to have eye contact while you're saying those words. Now, it's okay to send a text, but, you know, in the day, and that's romantic, and especially, you know, it's a little saucy. But, um, and it's okay to do that, but don't let that be the only thing you're doing. Okay? You, want to, you want to affirm her, okay? and not just her physical attributes. You want to affirm her how, how she's a good mother. You want to use words of affirmation. Um, and so um, make, and I've shared this before uh, in the past, you want to make your wife beautiful. If you're in a, if you're in a marriage and you, your wife is undesirable to you and she's not beautiful anymore, here's the reason why. I'm putting it all on you guys, all on us, me as well. You have not made her beautiful. You have not made her beautiful. Well, first of all, let me say this. Every woman is beautiful. Every single one. Because God created them. God created them. And so God thinks they're beautiful, but they may not be beautiful in your eyes, but the reason why is because you're not making her beautiful. Make her beautiful with your words of affirmation. Um, undivided attention. Undivided attention. You know, there's lots of things that draw our attention, guys. We like visual things. We like visual things. And, and uh, uh, if, we're at a, if we're at a restaurant... And if we're at a place where they have flat screens on the wall, man, I, I just, I can't focus. I mean, I'm just like looking around, you know, I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm a male, you know. I, I'm just looking at the, at the screens and I'm like, I'm trying to look at my wife. And so we've stopped going to places that have a whole bunch of, whole bunch of TVs if we're kind of going on a date, you know. But, uh, you know, um, but if you're, if you're going to, uh, you know, to another place, just kind of hanging out. Obviously, it's great to have some, you know, have some uh, TVs uh, and stuff. But know this. You want to have undivided attention. You want to have focus. So when you get home from work, rather than turning on the TV or turning on the computer or, or having your, your smartphone there, you want to lay those things down. And I'm, hey, guys, I'm preaching more to myself than I'm preaching to you right now. Because this is something that I continue to have to work on. Not necessarily the TV, but always having that phone in my hand, working or whatever, and putting that aside and just give attention and focus. And so lately, I've been going straight to where my wife is and say, okay, honey, I'm here. How can I help? How can I help? Give her undivided attention. 
You know, when, and, 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 and our time, we like to talk whenever, um, you know, she, she goes upstairs and gets ready for bed. So when we put the kids in bed, she goes, okay, and, you know, the teenagers are still kind of up, and she goes, okay, um, uh, I'm going to go take a bath. And her taking a bath is my favorite time of day. So she goes, I'm going to take a bath. Great. I get to watch you take a bath. So we sit in there taking it. Uh, she takes a bath. I sit on the bathroom floor, and we have a conversation. And it's awesome. And it's that time where it's undivided, um, uh, undivided attention. Uh, and also make, out, make that eye contact. Uh, another thing, guys, we need to provide is time alone. Time alone. Now, I'm not talking about you and her alone. I'll talk about her alone. Your wife needs to have alone time. And here's another thing. She may not know how to ask this, but she needs to not feel guilty for being alone. Because wives, and specifically mothers, that nurturing part of them, they they feel guilty for even asking for time away. Guys, the best thing you can do, and your wife will hardly ever ask you for this because she may not know how, but guys, the best thing you could do is to say, hey, honey, I'm going to watch the kids on Saturday. You go do whatever you want, you know, or, or weekend or whatever. You just hang out or maybe just in, just in the evening, one evening. Hey, I've got dinner, which means we're calling Domino's. So... You know, you say, I've got dinner. You, you just go and do whatever you want. Go, you know, go get your hair fixed or I mean, don't tell her that. You know, she can do whatever she wants, you know. But you want to tell her, you want to give her that opportunity. You want to give her freedom to not feel guilty about that time alone. Your wife needs that time alone. Um, other thing is, is romance. Romance. Your, your wife loves to be romanced. And that's kind of a no-brainer. But let's take it a step further. You know, instead of just, hey, let's, let's go on a date night, you know, and then just kind of leave it up to her, where where you want to go? I, I don't know. Where you want to go? I don't know. Where you want to go? And then it just kind of gets into this thing like, okay, this is not enjoyable at all. Guys, here's what you do. Hey, honey, um, I've taken care of the kids. I got a babysitter. And um, you and I are, uh, you know, there's a movie at this time, and I figure we can go here to this restaurant before or after and go to TCBY after that, you know, or, you know, maybe we can go for a walk or go whatever. Plan those things. Plan that because that right there is romantic because you have taken it. You have taken the leadership on that and you say, I'm going to take care of this. Rather than saying, yeah, let's, let's just go out. Let's have a date night and leave it at that. Guys, that's not romantic. That's like a romantic comedy. <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not romantic. So be romantic, cover those things, and make sure everything is, is done. And the, the, um, the uh, last thing that your wife needs is your wife needs leadership. She needs leadership from you guys. She does. She needs to be able to say, uh, um, she needs to be able to trust that you are helping out at the house. When you walk in, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to help out with this. With the kids, with disciplining the kids, she needs leadership from you to help with that. So guys, step in. Just do something. Provide that leadership. Your wife needs that. 
Now, let's bring desire into the bedroom. A few things we need to understand is this. Believe this, that God, you need to bring desire into the bedroom, you need to understand this, that God is the one who created intimacy. God is the one who created sex for your marriage. He's the one who created it. The, the devil did not create that. It is not from the devil. The devil has used that. In Hebrews, 11, uh, Hebrews uh, uh, 13, 4, it says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So that, um, uh, the devil has created sex to more of an adulterous situation, but understand this, God created that intimacy. God created um, uh, uh, that opportunity for y'all to merge, to connect, right? Uh, the second thing is this, to bring desire into the bedroom. Focus on the needs of your spouse, Focus on the needs of your spouse, not just on your needs. When, when y'all are in, in a moment where you're intimate, okay, and uh, you want to focus on not what gives you pleasure, but what gives your wife pleasure. In Philippians chapter 2, 4, it says, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Be like Christ. Um, who, uh, who came to this world, not his own interests, but to, for the interests of the church, his bride. And so to bring desire into the bedroom, don't just focus on your needs, but the needs of your spouse. Um, and and the, third, um, the third thing to bring desire into the bedroom is get your needs met only from your spouse. Get your needs met only from your spouse. If you're getting your needs met beyond your spouse, obviously through an adulterous affair or through pornography or whatever types, if you're getting, um, if you're getting your desires met outside of your spouse, then that is going to affect your desire in your marriage. In, uh, in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15 through 18, it says, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well, should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone. Never be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Okay, God has given you a well of, of, of beauty, a well of, of intimacy. Drink only from that well. And, uh, and the fourth thing, to bring desire into the bedroom, respect each other's desires. Respect each other's de desires. Don't, don't have sort of a demanding demeanor. Don't have condescending comments about what they desire in the bedroom. Um, and, and also, don't use Scripture as a weapon. Don't use Scripture as a weapon. Like, well, God's Word said you must submit to me. Yeah, I wouldn't go there. That doesn't, that doesn't do well. That doesn't do well, you know? Um, but, but you want to respect the desires of your spouse. In Corinthians chapter uh, 7, 3, um, 1 Corinthians, it says this, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. It's mutual. It's mutual. If you're in a situation and you're ready to be intimate in the bedroom um, and, and, and one spouse is like, I, I just, I, I can't. You need to honor that. However, on the flip side is this. If, if you want to be intimate and, and you keep saying night after night after night or day after day, you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, you're not fulfilling the needs of your spouse. 
And so um, if there's a reason, a valid reason, then yes, that's understandable. But you may want to say, you know, I can't, how about, you know, maybe, you know, maybe tomorrow I've got a huge headache or, you know, whatever, whatever the reason is. And so, but you want to respect their desires. And then another thing too, to bring desire into the bedroom, you want to schedule, you want to schedule those moments. Sometimes you just need to do that. In, 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 our, in our life, in our, in our family, man, it's just, it's just crazy. We got kids going everywhere. We got lots of things to do. Sometimes we just need to like, all right, here. I know that may not be, be sexy, but it ends up being, <laughs> all right? So it's okay. Sometimes you just need, and here's the reason why. You want to, you, you, you schedule things that are important to you. Ladies, you schedule a hair appointment, right? Okay, guys, you schedule an oil change or, or whatever. Okay, you, you schedule some things in your life that are important if this is important. Intimacy with your spouse is important. So you sometimes will need to schedule those things. And as we close, in conclusion, I want you to, I want to bring back and maintain and bring back to you the desire in your marriage. And that involves bringing Christ. It takes three to bring that desire into your marriage. Um, in uh, Galatians chapter five, verse 16, um, it says this. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, your own fleshy desires, but what's good for your spouse. You gotta walk by the spirit. You need to let the spirit of God um, rule and reign in your life. And, and then in verse 22, 23, but the fruit of the spirit, what is a fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You want to know how you should be treating your spouse? That is how you should be treating your spouse. Right there, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And how do you get that? You invite the Spirit of God in your life. You ask the Spirit of God to rule and reign in your life. If you don't have desire in your marriage, if you've lost that desire in your marriage, then you probably have lost your desire for your most important relationship with Jesus. Invite him to fill your life, to let the Holy Spirit come inside you and fill you up. Get your relationship with God right. And as I shared last week, the triangle, you and your spouse, you wanna draw that desire closer together, the more you are drawing to the pinnacle of God in your life, then the closer you are being drawn together. And so it takes three to bring that desire back in to your marriage. Don't try to do it on your own. Many people do and they fail. They fail and they end up divorcing or whatever. So bring God into that. Bring the Holy Spirit into that. And He, because you know what? He wants that desire in your marriage. He wants you to have that desire. 